Hello, this is Pam Concier of All Hands Art, and I'm coming to you today from my backyard art studio, which is a fantastic place to be. I hope you get to join me here sometime. And this might be the first episode of a podcast. I'm looking up at the chalkboard on the wall of my studio, and it's says welcome to heart school which is the name i'm using for um like the courses and or the workshops and things i teach and it's it helps to see it's written because it's heart school but like the art of heart is art school heart school get it um and then next to it it says 2020 mantras number one let's see what i can do Art is equal parts showing up and letting go. That's a little note I wrote up there. And then number two, it said, let me cheer on others as they see what they can do. So those are my goals for 2020. And even though it seems kind of um, presumptuous or what's that word I'm looking for? Like uh, pretentious even maybe to start a podcast because like I'm not famous and I thought only famous people did podcasts or whatever. Um, I, it's been sort of a back burner dream of mine, and you know who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll turn into something. So, because I've known some of you for decades, and others of you for about a week. I thought it would be helpful to introduce myself. So again, my name is Pam Concier. I'm an artist living in Portland, Oregon. I grew up here. Someday maybe I'll tell you the story of how my partner Mark and I got together after going to grade school together in Southeast Portland, but that will be it for another time. Um, and I lived for many years in the Bay Area after living in Portland. I was actually born in Orofino, Idaho, and just went back and visited there last fall for the first time in many, many years, maybe since I was three, I'm not sure. Um, but then we moved here, and then I went to high school in the Seattle area, and then I went to the Bay Area of California to go to college when I was just about to turn 18, and I stayed there until I was 52 or something like that, um, maybe 51. So I lived for most of the time in the Bay Area. I was at Stanford, then I was at, in San Francisco. Actually, I went to Kenya as a Peace Corps volunteer right after, shortly after graduation. Um, came back to the Bay Area, married a Peace Corps volunteer that I was within Kenya, and um, we lived in San Francisco, had two gorgeous daughters who are out thriving in the world and figuring out their their lives um, at ages 21 and 27. Um, and <clears throat> I we lived in San Francisco, we lived in the East Bay, in the Berkeley Albany area. Our kids were raised in Oakland, California and finished high school there. And um, meanwhile, I got divorced in 2006 
And um, there's, a, of course, a whole lot more to that story, but I don't need to give you every detail of my life right now. Um, there will be time for that later on. And I uh, moved up to Portland two and a half years ago in the middle of 2017, which at the time when people ask, why are you moving to Portland? I would say, and I still say this, for love and family because Mark is from here and, and even though he moved to Oakland for a while um, when I was down there after we got tired of long distance dating, um, he's, a, he's an Oregonian through and through and made it really clear he wanted to be here. And I grew up here and one of my sisters has lived here mostly her whole life and so I've been visiting Portland forever and when I didn't live here, and our other sisters in Victoria, British Columbia, and at the time um, that I moved, my older daughter was living in Vancouver, British Columbia, and my younger one was and is in Seattle at Seattle University, so it felt like I was moving toward family, toward my sisters and my daughters, um, and to be with Mark and we have made a home here. So that's how I ended up here. And my business is called All Hands Art. There is the the reason why, let's see, where do I even begin? <laughs> could I could take this in any number of ways. I let's just start here. I wanted to be an artist since I was 5 years old but I didn't feel like I really was an artist or could call myself that till probably like 10 years ago. I think I absorbed a message from the society around me here in the United States that artists are like, well, first of all, most of them are men and most of them lived 150 years ago in France and um, and that they were somehow anointed or special or kind of born that way and I just didn't feel like I had that um, I don't know what it was that pulled me to want to be an artist but I just that's what I remember when I was really little and the picture I had in my head was not me having paintings in a museum somewhere or a gallery. It was me having a craft stall of things that I had made and just being surrounded by all this stuff that I had made, which is kind of what my life is like a little bit now. Even though I don't have a craft stall, I am kind of surrounded by things I've made. and. Um, and I still don't really aspire to have paintings in fancy galleries or museums because that, in my mind, sort of perpetuates this idea that art is for special slash very wealthy people or knowledgeable people or people who have read things and traveled and know secret insider art information and I just that's just all bullshit like I don't I don't buy into that whole thing because my to me what art is is 
a true expression of yourself. And I struggle with the thing I just said, a true expression of yourself. I struggle a little bit with that phrasing too, because self-expression isn't something that I totally resonate with. So let me rephrase it. I think art is a path for self-discovery. And I think it's really weird that some paintings sell for millions of dollars. That makes no sense to me. I think it's kind of a fetishy thing that humans do. It's kind of like how we pay some athletes bajillions of dollars and then other ones who maybe also are really good, you know, never make the team. And I don't know, it's just weird. Like, I, I don't think that humans are that, we're all valuable. We all have the same intrinsic value. There are not certain humans who are like 80 bajillion times more valuable than other humans, nor is the work they do. So I, I just think it's a bizarre thing of our society that we've made some artists like to be these gods and mostly gods, maybe a couple of goddesses. Um, and same with athletes and other, you know, types of individuals, but that is not, I have not the slightest interest in that art world. Um, what's interesting to me is trying to get something down on paper if I'm writing or canvas if I'm painting that is true, that is interesting, that helps me explore something or ask a question or answer a question. And the concept of like good art and bad art, I don't, I don't even wanna talk about that. Like if you wanna provoke me in a conversation, start a conversation about like why certain art is good and other art is bad. <laughs> and then I'll get really irritated and um, probably try to change the subject. So All Hands Art is a good name for my business. Thank you to my friend Cindy McCann for helping me land on that name when I was kind of redefining my business because I honestly believe that every human has, we're all creative beings. That's what separates us from, you know, other species. Actually, that's not even true. Like all, all life is creative because that's, it's always regenerating, but we're just creative people. All of our ancestors were makers. You know, maybe one of your ancestors was a, the weaver or the stone carver or the whatever. Like we all, we all descend from makers, um, makers of medicine or makers of vessels or something. So let's just claim it. And your question is not, am I an artist, but what kind of artist? am I? What do I want to be? What is my favorite mode of expression? Or in my case, I have lots of them because I love to dance. Dancing is something that um, 
I've pretty much done ever since middle school when I had to take ballet because I was on a gymnastics team. And I didn't love ballet. I, I kind of liked it. And then I took some other dance classes in high school. I took dance classes in college. I think I stopped dancing for 10 years or so. And then I started taking hip-hop again when I was 40. Thank you, Jesse and crew. And then I found a hip-hop class here when we moved because I love it so much. And then a flamenco class. And once I, you know, at this point, it's like, I don't ever want to not dance, ever. Like, I, I picture myself being very elderly and still dancing. So look out. <laughs> you might not want to watch those videos. Um, so dancing is one thing that I feel like is critical to my the survival of my soul. Same with writing. I won't be not writing. And same with painting or doing some kind of things with my hands. And as far as the type of art I do, it's kind of everything. Um, I consider myself a found, uh, like a, a reuse artist. So a lot of it has to do with what materials come across my path that seem interesting. But my go-to things that I know that I love to do are painting with acrylics and collage, using collage and acrylics together. Um, mosaic is another thing. Thank you, my friend Claudia, who introduced me to the wide world of mosaics and kind of got me back on the, on the art track um, in 2000 when, when I was deep into teaching and parenting and wifing and not making art. So that's 2000 is when I started um, committing to making art a part of my life again. So. What have I just said? Um, artists for everybody. I, I, the reason I feel strongly about that is not because I have always believed that, because, but because I, I needed help believing that. Because even though I had this desire to be an artist, I didn't have the faintest idea how to go about it. And I didn't really think that I could. Like, I didn't really think I was worthy. And even when I was doing like decorative lettering and things that my grandfather used to sort of commissioned me to do, write the covers for his memoirs because he, he lived such a long life that he kept having to write new editions of his memoirs. <laughs> and so he would ask me to letter, you know, do, like write the titles every five or 10 years when he had a new edition. And, and so I love doing that kind of stuff. But, you know, to me that was just like, that's not art, that's just sort of, I don't know, fancy lettering. Um, and I didn't take myself seriously as an artist because I, did, I was just too self-conscious to show anything to anyone and I didn't feel like I had any ideas for like creative things. I don't, yeah, I'll have to think about that more. We'll, have, we'll do another episode that's about like, what is this word creativity and why am I so sick of it? But, and yet it's so important at the same time. So um, I did not go straight into art. I didn't even major in art in college. I was a linguistics major at Stanford and that was really interesting because I, I'm interested in languages and um, 
but I took art classes. I took some drawing classes and painting classes and a photography class. And um, I knew that feeling of getting in the zone and I would go to a painting class and even if I didn't, you know, the instructor would set up these really weird still lifes that were like rust colored and just like the super ugliest colors I could think of and these bottles that were painted matte black and you know nothing I would have ever chosen to paint but I could get in this mode where you know like poof three hours was up and you know I'm kind of coming out in a daze back out into campus life um, like I'd been in this altered reality and that was pretty cool and that's what I felt again many years a couple decades later when I did Claudia's mosaic workshop was just that sense of losing yourself in an activity where you lose all sense of time and space and um, they call that the flow state and if you haven't been there lately <laughs> it's a really great place to be so um, get yourself over to an art class or a dance class or something whatever it is that gets you kind of in that mode so I became a school teacher naturally because I think that's where a lot of people go when they want to be an artist but don't know how. Um, there are other places want to be want to be artists go. They might go into public service or some kind of administration or nonprofit work. We're all over the place. Um, maybe into nursing or some kind of caring profession because those are all the things that society tells us are really useful, productive, like practical things to do. And I absorbed the message anyway that art was not a real job. That was like a hobby or it was kind of something you do when all the work is done and if you have a little extra time or money to spend on it. Um, kind of frivolous, you know, don't, don't take it too seriously. It's just like this little fun side show and now it makes me really sad that it, art programs are usually the first thing cut when school district budgets are slim because um, I yeah if it were me making the decisions I would I would put almost all the money into art programs and maybe teach math through art I actually do a ton of math in in the art that I do, especially in mural work. But anyway, that that's getting off track. Um, art is central to who we are as humans, so let's not cut it from budgets, including your home budget. Make sure your home budget allows time for you to do art in some form, whatever that is for you. So I became a school teacher and had a good career. It was very challenging. Um, I think it's always challenging, whoops, there's my phone, because I didn't turn the ringer off. Um, I think teaching is an awesome profession, noble, very challenging, getting harder every day from the teachers that I talk to. <laughs> there's the, my other device. Um, and I have no regrets about my teaching career. What, one thing that it really helped me with, I was talking to Mark about this the other day, was public speaking. I got so much practice 
public speaking because I was a super, super, super shy child, horribly shy, like mortally shy. But when I became a teacher, I didn't even really think about how you're just kind of on stage all day, every day, teaching kindergarten, for sure you are. And then there's assemblies that you're literally on stage or with a microphone in your hand introducing your class or whatever. Then you're back to school night speaking to a room full of adults. And it's just like one public speaking activity after another. So um, that was kind of cool. One thing that I got out of my teaching career, um, I got many things out of it. I got good friends out of it. And... um, it was, it was really challenging. I learned, I learned to use a teacher voice. I learned to sort of command a room. Um, and I think teaching really informed my parenting. It helped me a lot, like become a, so much better of a parent. And in the same way, my, parent, my parenting experience informed my teaching. The fact that I was teaching kindergarten while I had young kids at home, that was challenging. (laughs) While I had a marriage that was super challenging as well and dysfunctional in many ways. Um, Those were some rough years, Um, but I was working hard and doing the best I could. And one thing that was tricky about teaching and why we didn't last, teaching and me, is that I think my temperament is just like I I can just gorge on alone time. I can almost not ever have too much time alone. Um, and I had pretty much zero time alone when I was teaching. Actually, I had that hour after school where I would sharpen pencils and put crayons in order in their little boxes and do like tedious stuff to just decompress because I was so overstimulated from the day that had just happened and then I would go home and do some gardening and um, and that was another way I decompressed for for the second shift of parenting but teaching was um, it was a great career and I couldn't keep doing it because it was taking a toll on my body. I had a couple of melanomas. Those came right after I got a divorce. So there's no surprise there because my body was under a lot of stress and that is when disease sets in. So um, in a weird way, the melanomas were what helped me change careers because it finally forced me to take my health seriously and kind of examine my lifestyle and whether, well, I knew it wasn't sustainable, but it it sort of forced me to do something about it. So that was back around 2000, I got divorced in 2006, and 2007 is when the melanomas showed up and um, everything's fine. They were detected early, you know, removed in office, no no more cancer, um, and I've been free and clear since then. Um, and I, 
I attribute that to having made some big lifestyle changes, such as the divorce that needed to happen, such as the career change that needed to happen. So um, I started first with, when I stopped teaching, I was sort of mulling over my next move and I, I had no business experience. Um, I did always consider myself kind of entrepreneurial, which I put in a different category. Like I couldn't relate to the word business at all. In fact, I shed tears over just the fact of the idea of me starting a business because that word business only conjured up like businessmen smoking cigars in back rooms, making deals or playing golf together. And there was nothing in any of those scenarios that I could relate to at all. And it all kind of repulsed me. Or it was all just about chasing money and power. And I couldn't relate to that either. So I used to get together on Wednesday mornings when I had just quit my job teaching, my secure teaching job. And I had a friend, Christina, who had just quit her job as a photo um, photographer for the San Francisco Chronicle and we were both starting our own businesses and we used to get together on Wednesday mornings at the local coffee shop and we would compare notes and and tell each other like hey here's what I found out about getting a business license or here's you know this course from the small business administration about you know whatever and I remember talking to her she probably thought I was totally nuts because I remember being there in tears about this word business, like just processing the idea of starting a business and I was crying about it because I couldn't, it just felt like, I don't know if I was selling out or like becoming something that I hated, it was weird. So I got through it. Entrepreneur is something that I, on the other hand, I kind of always, even though I didn't apply that word, I, I could relate to it because ever since I was 13, I was babysitting, I was teaching gymnastics and working at a preschool when I was in high school, and I was making all kinds of, you know, had different jobs in college, including I started cutting people's hair, so I would have sometimes lines up in the hallway, and I, I did it for free at first, but then people would pay me like $3 or $5, and this was in the 80s, so I always had some spending money in my pocket, and I always had ways, and I did some tutoring, and you know, I was always finding ways to make money. So the, the entrepreneurial part felt doable, but the word business was a big hurdle. So I, I'm okay with the word business now. I can handle it. Um, but my first business was called Handy Gal. Christina helped me with that name. Um, and I, was, I wasn't ready to commit to art, even though by then I had been doing, like that might have been my dream, but I wasn't confident enough to, to go straight there and didn't really have um, credentials in the sense of like a portfolio or any experience really. So I became kind of a Jill of all trades, like I will help you with that project you need help with. Um, which was a, 
idea that made sense in my head, but it was kind of hard to market. Although a lot of my friends, I did a lot of work for friends and neighbors, and thank you all for hiring me back in the early, early days. Um, and I did all kinds of projects, but what, what I ended up doing the most of was um, a lot of painting walls, like just, you know, repainting it white or painting the kid's bedroom blue or something, and um, home organizing. So I, while I am a pretty organized person, I also have clutter issues. So I feel like it's always a thing for me. And because it's always been a thing, um, I have developed a lot of strategies. And I feel like I'm, here I'm equal parts my mother, who's super, 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 super tidy. Um, there's other words I could use to describe that, but I'll just stick with tidy. And then my dad, who is super not at all tidy, except for he lives with my mom, so he kind of has to be. So I feel like I'm the intersect. I'm the combination of those two. Where I there is a method underneath what sometimes, if you look at the dining room table on any given day, which is my in the house workspace, it looks like total chaos. But on the other hand, I can find where everything is. And I have some good systems for organizing my studio, but I have to stay on top of it. So anyway, I, I did a lot of home organizing work for people. <clears throat> and at the same time, I became an accidental muralist. That will be the name of one of the books that I will write, Accidental Muralist. So I was teaching, and there was a park being rebuilt next door to the school and um, the very art friendly people who were involved in designing the park and making the decisions about the park created it so that the low seating walls and little amphitheater area were scored for rows of four inch tiles that they envisioned students at the school would paint and then they would be installed there. So one day I found out from another teacher that the park people were looking for someone at the school who could facilitate that project. And I had used the kiln, I had done art projects with my, I mean I had done ceramic projects with my kindergartners and with the after school art program that I was doing at that time, like an after school art club. And so I volunteered to do it. They had some money, so I got paid a little bit to do this. And um, I knew how to work the kiln. And it was actually a really great, it was my first public art installation, I guess, was having the kids make these tiles, um, firing them and then installing them in the park and grouting them. And I, I knew about firing things in the kiln. I didn't know about installing things and grouting things. So that's kind of where I, well, I knew about grouting from doing mosaic, but I hadn't done like an outdoor tile project yet. Um, but that was easy to learn. And that was my first art project. And it actually ended up being the thing that kind of saved me <laughs> from, oh, my poor principal. Shannon, if you're listening, thank you for 
helping me ease gracefully out of teaching. It was not graceful, but you made it as graceful as it could have been. Because there was one year, my last year of teaching was just the worst. And when you're, when you've been teaching for 15 years or more, it was more like 19, but 15 at kindergarten or first grade. And then your 15th year is the worst year and you have this class that is just making you crazy, that really sucks because, you know, you think if you've been doing something well, it should get easier, not harder. So I was very demoralized and I had this class that was just causing me to pull my hair out. It was, it was pretty awful every day and I was really struggling. And then I had these melanomas, which like I said, was sort of a gift from the universe to give me an out and so I took some time off to have those taken care of and then my dear principal Shannon helped me figure out for the end of that school year because by then it was around spring break and I just couldn't even stomach the idea of going back to work every day all day with that particular class in the shape I was in so she helped me um, figure out a schedule where I could teach a few mornings a week. I had a ton of sick days um, saved up because I was a striver and I just soldiered on even when I was sick and at our school it was hard to get subs so you know you created a lot of work for yourself and everybody else when you were absent so I would just not be absent. So I had tons of sick days saved up and so she got a substitute to cover my class for a lot of the time and I I taught a couple mornings a week and then the rest of the time I would um, cycle all the classes in the school through to to paint tiles with the help of of my good friend Dawn who's really the whole reason that I got into public art anyway so thank you Dawn if you're listening all of you people I owe you so much so Don and I would work with each class. They would paint a tile. I would fire them all. She would help me sometimes install them, grout them. We were out there working side by side in the park, getting these tiles in. And so that was the way I finished that school year. And then I did not have another class after that. That was kind of the way I bowed out gracefully. Um, but then the park people, including Don, came up with some other things. How about a mural in this stinky stairwell? And I didn't know, you know, I think my response was, well, I don't know how to paint a mural. But Don had this idea of painting sunflowers in there and just making it really beautiful because what happened in that stairwell after school hours was these men would be gambling in there. And they would pee in the corners and, you know, it was just gross. And it was covered with graffiti and it stank and... Um, kids didn't want to walk through there even though it was the one of the main entrances to the park because it was kind of gross and intimidating. So instead we transformed it from this graffiti strewn stinky scary place to this beautiful field of sunflowers that you walked through and then that led to another mural and then that led to another mural and then and then I took a class with Claudia about how to lead mosaic mural projects like with a group of people and that was transformative so um, then I started doing mosaic murals at the kids schools where my kids went at 
the school where I taught and at other places. So in this way, and with the encouragement from Don and others, I became accidentally a muralist. So now my handy gal business, I'm doing, um, it's, let's say it's, what year are we in now? I don't know, 10 years ago. I'm doing kind of half home organizing and half mural work. I had a little blip, I won't go into it, but I bought into a retail business in Oakland called Rare Bird. Didn't go well. It, I learned a lot. I got out of it as soon as I realized that it wasn't going to be sustainable for me. Um, and when I came out of that one year long experience, I decided to just go all in with art. And that's when I changed my name business name from Handy Gal to All Hands Art and um, shed most of my organizing work and uh, just focused on murals and then I did a ton of visiting artists in the classroom type of projects and I was teaching more workshops in my studio which I had transformed my garage in Oakland um, after the divorce in the new house I had moved into. Um, transformed it into an art studio and so I was doing all art all the time and it was a struggle because I was a single mom now living in the Bay Area and it's very expensive um, and I no longer had my steady teaching job which for me was like the most money I ever made um, and yet it was also fantastic when I wasn't crying over how I was going to pay the bills, it was fantastic. Um, because I had this life that I never would have dreamed of that was making art and like showing other people how to make art. And yeah, it was really great. So when we moved up here in 2017, by then I had completed, I want to, I think. I did actually enumerate them. I sat down a few years ago and made a list, like even on a spreadsheet, and I'm not a spreadsheet. No, you just use tables. I, I don't do spreadsheets. But I did make a table <clears throat> to show, to figure out how many, to count out how many murals I had done, where they were, kind of what the dimensions were, how many people worked on it, because in only very rare cases am I doing a mural by myself. I'm usually working with a dozen or several dozen or a couple hundred people to complete a mural. <clears throat> and usually of those people, I'm the only one who is like, you know, would call myself an artist. Or sometimes there's a couple people who will volunteer who would self-identify as artists, but mostly it's just like people who kind of want to beautify the neighborhood or uh, <clears throat> are interested in learning how to do mosaic or you know something like that, which is fantastic because they walk up with all their baggage about like, oh, give me an easy job, I'm gonna ruin it. I, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And then they walk, you know, five minutes later, they're teaching the next new person who walks up how to mosaic. So. That's the transformation that I'm looking for because that's, that's what I 
came by myself the hard way with decades of struggle. And I see that in some cases I can be the catalyst for that kind of transformation that can take minutes or maybe a couple days instead of three or four or five decades. So, so in a nutshell, if I were to sum up what I've just, you know, this long road that I've just brought you down, the whole reason that All Hands Art exists is to change the way you see yourself as a creative being. Because I find from all the baggage that people bring to my studio or to a mural site, we have a lot of creative baggage, my fellow Americans, my fellow, if you've, if you've grown up in the United States of America, you probably got a notion that, you know, those people over there are artists, usually they're kind of freaks, you know, they probably wear all black or they're sort of goth or they, you know, wear polka dots or there's something wrong with them, but we'll tolerate them because they're artistic. And, but that's those people over there and it's something that you may not be able to relate to. Or if you relate to it, it's only through scrapbooking where you buy things that look really pretty at Michael's because somebody else did all the sort of the creative work. I don't mean to disparage you scrapbookers because I love you, but somebody else has done a lot of the creative work to make it very easy for you to cut and you know make a nice looking page and that's fantastic that's a great entry point for a lot of people but it's different than sort of mining your own experience or your own ideas for something to put down on the page which is what i like to teach so um yeah in this country we we kind of get our creativity stomped out of us, either in school, maybe it was one teacher who told you that your horse looked like a dog or, you know, whatever, and then you've carried that wound for 30 years. And I'm not exaggerating because this kind of thing, I see it all the time. People just get told at some point, or their dad laughs at them or calls their son, you know, a fairy because he likes to draw or, you know, the, these are not stories that I'm making up. These are stories that I have heard and seen and have been relayed to me from other people of all the ways that our creativity gets squashed out of us um, and that we get this message instead that either art is a frivolous extra, you know, that is sort of a waste of time or it's just something that those people over there do but not you because you're not creative so my goal with all hands art is to <clears throat> just basically kind of like change all the decades of wiring that you've had and <laughs> just reverse it real quick like um but yeah just to to transform those ideas you have about yourself because they are bullshit and you are a creative person. It doesn't mean everybody is 
you know, the next insert name of famous European male artists that you know. Um, because that's not the point either. And another weird thing that our society has done is made art competitive, where like there are art contests and there are so many shows that are juried and all that. And I get it, like, you know, I get that there can be screening processes, but it also gives this idea that you, you know, like if you can't be the best, why even bother? Or if that person said your work is not good enough to get into that show, then you must suck as an artist and why, why continue when, why don't we just do things because they feel good and they bring us joy and they are part of how we feel the most alive and human and let's have that be good enough, a reason to keep doing it. So as, as a very extreme example that is, um, feels weird to use, but I learned that, and you might have heard this before too, that Hitler wanted to go to art school. He got rejected. Um, he found other things to do that were, yeah, draw your own conclusions, but you know, what would the world have been like if he had just immersed himself in painting and found a lot of inner satisfaction with that? Let's ponder that for a second. Um, which is another thing, yeah, I could, I could go on and on about that. Like, think of all the internet trolls and just kind of people who are, make a living out of being mean and critical to other people? Like, what if those people instead were engaged in doing their own art? Hmm. That would clear up the landscape a little bit for more positivity. So these are some things that, um, <laughs> that I do for a living. Uh, how do I go about it these days? I'm still doing some murals, although these now, because I don't have the base of knowing people, the connections that I had in Oakland through schools and um, nonprofits and community people and neighbors and people I'd known for decades there. I'm, I'm, I've only done one tiny mural in Portland. Thank you, Levita and Lauren, if you're listening. That was a super fun project downstairs at Levin Community. Um, but I am open to doing murals here. Um, I still do get projects from California, which gives me a great excuse to go there and see friends and enjoy some sunshine. And I just recently got back from a fantastic, epic whirlwind of a project in San Luis Obispo that if you have been reading my recent blog posts, you have seen all about. So that was a project with where 500 people um, collaborated on a mosaic mural and it was it was a nutty week and it was so great and really exhausting and fantastic and um, we're hoping to do more of it together down there. So mural projects is still something I do, only fewer and farther between, maybe one or two a year. Um, I have workshops going on in my studio, but right now I'm Right now I'm doing just a limited number because I am trying to focus on writing. 
And one thing that you can look for soon, I'm going to say this out loud because I want it to come true and I don't want to overthink it and then not bring it out into the world. But I'm just putting some finishing touches on a publication that I will be printing out sort of like a coloring book style um, that is called The Striver's Guide to Doodling. The Striver's Guide to Doodling. It's supposed to be kind of funny because like, get it? Like strivers, why would someone who's a striver have time to do something as frivolous as doodling? Um, but now that you know a little bit about my history, it might make sense, although I haven't told you about my whole doodling life. You'll have to read the book to find out about that. Um, so that's one project, and the reason I'm doing that project and publishing it like a coloring book is that I have a bigger project, but I was feeling really daunted by it, and it felt too just kind of almost like it was slipping farther and farther out of reach. So. I needed to do something that was more tangible that I could actually bring out into the world. Um, so this bigger project I'm working on is a book that I am calling The Recovering Good Girl's Guide to Owning Your Life. The Recovering Good Girl's Guide to Owning Your Life. And that book will basically be the story of unpacking that title. <laughs> the Recovering Good Girl's Guide to Owning Your Life. What is a good girl? Why is it something to recover from? How does one go about owning your life? And why am I the person who might write that book? So that's, um, that's the bigger project that I have going on. And because I'm trying to devote time to writing, and because, like I said earlier, I can just kind of gorge myself on alone time. I'm limiting the amount of studio time also because I just I don't know enough people yet in Portland to make, you know, to have my art classes and stuff sell out. And, you know, I just don't know enough people. So I'm to that end, I'm also working on some collaborations that have been really fun. So last month I did a art journaling, we can call it doodling, but some people prefer art journaling, it's a lot more dignified. We did an art journaling workshop at Open House um, co-working space here in Northeast Portland that was super fun with Cole and um, some of her friends and some of my friends and that was great. And uh, next month in March I'm doing a similar workshop at a cafe that is not far from Open House that is called Cafe 11. Encore is the owner and we got together this week and devised this um, collaboration. So I'm going to do an art journaling workshop at his cafe March 21st. And then in April, my beloved flamenco teacher, Brenna, has asked me to do an art project at our at the annual Feria de Portland, the big flamenco festival that's in April at the Crystal Ballroom. So on April 26th, I'll be dancing, but also leading a workshop or a art project at Feria. Um, 
And then hopefully in August, I can have a booth at the Alberta Street Fair again, like I did this last year. That was a fun way to be out in the community and meet people. So I am looking for local collaborations. Um, and I do team building events. And I have, you can always schedule an art party here in my studio or private art lessons. So those are some of the things I'm doing. And last but not least, I will leave you with this, um, the blog, <laughs> the blogging schedule, because I'm trying this year to be, let's see, how does Dr. Nicole LaPera say it? To um, honor, like learn to trust yourself, to make little promises, daily promises or something like that to yourself. You know how if you're like me, if you have a, if you have a deadline that somebody else has set for you, you will be very good at meeting that deadline, right? That's how I am. Like if I have a deadline that I've told somebody I'll have this thing to you by a certain date, you can be sure that I will have that to you by a certain date. If it's a self-imposed deadline, not so much. I can, nobody's watching, maybe they won't, you know, like who cares if I just do it a week later or if it doesn't, you know, maybe not today. And I just let things slip. So I've been really wanting to have a very structured blogging schedule. It's been very hard in recent years. So this year I committed to myself and you because I've been posting about this and I write it at the top of every blog post. My schedule this year to become predictable and um, regularly scheduled. I'm blogging three times a month on the third of the month, the 13th and the 23rd with three different types of posts. So on, on the third of the month, it's words. Those look like regular blog posts because they're mostly just written, it's like an essay. On the 13th of the month, it's pictures. That was the last one I did that had all the pictures of that mural project in San Luis Obispo. So you can go look that up February 13th on my blog post, on my blog. And then on the 23rd of each month is sound. So that is where this episode, which might become a podcast, which has been sort of a back burner dream of mine, maybe. Um, we'll see how it goes. but. This is the sound episode for February. Um, yeah, because so far I'm, it's helping me to have these three different categories and it kind of gets me thinking of some interesting things I could do and maybe doing things a little out of the ordinary of what I would normally do. So I'm kind of liking it so far. So that's, that's one way that I engage with you and I love it when you engage back with me. I love, love, love. Did I tell you how much I love hearing from you in emails? Or I, I challenge you to post comments on my blog because people almost never do that, but they like emailing me instead, which is also fine. I think I have a lot of people who are like not, they don't want to be super public about their comments. So I get, I get you. I understand it and I love hearing from you. Um, and, but also feel free to comment on the blog right there if you want to because maybe other people might be interested in what you have to say. Um, so yeah, I love what's really like makes my heart sing is when 
something I've made or done or written resonates with you. That's like, that is what makes me light up. So um, I always hope that it will, but I never know that it does unless you tell me. So I'm gonna wrap that up for today, wrap up this episode. If you liked this version, because I know sometimes, especially when I'm puttering my, in my studio, I am always looking for things to listen to. Um, so if you liked listening to this, please let me know. And if you have questions, um, like questions you'd like me to answer in future segments, could be a question about art, about murals, about like, how did you go? I get questions about like, how did you go from being a teacher to an artist? Can you tell me more about that? I get those kind of questions. Um, questions about whatever, I don't know, about doodling or, you know, why am I so crazy about doodling? Or what, yeah, tell me more about that Recovering Good Girl's Guide to Owning Your Life book or anything you want to know. Um, let me know because it's kind of pointless for me to be doing this if if it doesn't matter to anybody. So um, if you're interested and you have questions, let me know so that I can continue. And that is it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're still here at the end, wow, kudos to you. And um, I really appreciate you. And... I want, I'll have to come up with some, you know, catchy send-off phrase, but what I really want you to do is find, find your art. What is it? Is it dancing? Is it doodling? Is it sewing, cooking? You know what it is, and find ways to do more of it. Try not to let yourself be burdened with all the have-tos and the laundry and all that crap, like, at the end of your life, will you really care how much laundry you did? Or will you be so thrilled that you actually started painting instead of just talking about starting paint? You know what I mean. So go make your stuff and share it. All hands art. Make stuff, share it, heal the world. Thank you. Love you. Bye.